The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional. No one can serve two masters. He will either hate the one and love the other, or be devoted to one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not worry about your life, what you shall eat or drink, or about your body, what you will wear. Is not life more than food, and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds in the sky. They do not sow or reap. They gather nothing into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are not you more important than they? Can any of you by worrying add a single moment to your lifespan? Why are you anxious about clothes? Learn from the way the wildflowers grow. They do not work or spin, but I tell you that not even Solomon in all his splendor was clothed like one of them. If God so clothes the grass of the field, which grows today and is thrown into the oven tomorrow, will he not much more provide for you, O oh, you of little faith? So do not worry and say, What are we to eat? Or what shall we drink? Or what are we to wear? All these things the pagans seek. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness, and all these things will be given you besides. Do not worry about tomorrow. Tomorrow will take care of itself. Sufficient for a day is its own evil. This is Radio Wave Medjinomics with your host, the friend of Medjugorje. To start off with, where are we in the course of history and where it is that God has the world today? Uh, I can tell you many, many times uh, in our mission here, um, we as a community, as a people, uh, have, have done without certain things uh, in order to put God in the first place. This is something that our founder, uh, our friend of Medjugorje, has lived in his own life uh, from his own family, from before the mission even began. Uh, Our Lady one time in Medjugorje said, don't forget that the messages have to be lived, they have to be put into practice. And of course, uh, it's not possible for us to come into your homes and to say these things to you without these things not having first been lived. So this idea, this concept of putting God first is not something that is not just some concept or some idea that's gone uh, without having been put into practice in some way. And so... Many, many times, and I can tell you, particularly in the last several years here, we're working on the retooling of the tabernacle here, where we have made a decision, a friend of Medjugorje has said that God will come first, the mission will come first. And there are certain needs, even within the community, that we should be doing, or we should have, uh, you know, for our own 
um, ability to sustain ourselves that we've done without, uh, to put God in the first place. Uh, the other day, we was, I was reading through uh, something from um, a Protestant who was speaking about the prophet Haggai, how the prophet Haggai was risen up during a period of time when, uh, when God's people had come from their exile in Babylon. And when they came to their, back to their land, the first thing they were doing is they were building up their houses again. They were making them nice and beautiful. But yet a famine struck the land. And God sent the prophet Haggai to the people, and he told them that the reason why the, the drought came, the reason why there was a famine in the land, the reason why uh, all the seeds that they had planted were blown away is because they were seeking after their own wants, their own interests, and their own homes, and leaving the house of the Lord uh, in ruin. And so, moving into the program today, uh, a friend of Medjugorje, the idea or the concept behind Medjugorje is to help show you how do you put these things into life, how do you put God in the first place, and it's the reason why we begin with Matthew 6, 24. And so, your host uh, for the rest of the broadcast, the friend of Medjugorje. Well, Haggai, Haggai was, of course, <clears throat> correct in what he was saying, and we actually came through the same period. We went to the 60s and then the 70s. And in the 70s, we looked at the mentality that changed in the 80s, that houses were the purpose of investment. I never knew that. I was dumb to that idea in the sense that I thought houses were something that you worked like crazy to get, acquire it, live in it, make it a home, not a house, and die there and get it paid for as quickly as possible. My thinking in the 70s was this, in the 60s. And probably if you went into the 50s, when I was born in 53, thinking of some of the same, same ideas, because I was raised with that don't. And most of the culture was. And if you're not a religious people, or at least thinking about what God intends, you can evolve into something else. And that's what we did. In the 80s, people were flipping houses to make a profit, buy this house, turn around and flip it for 30 more thousand dollars above what they paid for it, and then go on to the next one, maybe make 50 on the next one, maybe make 60 on the next one, and buy bigger houses. It wasn't necessarily they were getting ahead. With the plans of having it paid down enough to where one day they'd have it where they had anything to owe on it. None of which hardly worked for anybody because then the bubble hit. The housing bubble hit, and people were getting almost interest-free loans for very little money. They bought into the lie, and their dream all blew away. And now many people are stuck in houses owing more what the house is worth. Because we bought the idea, even if you didn't go on that sinister ignorance, because it is ignorance for a lot of people, but it's still senator from the devil. The senator, senator walk that Satan had people walking down because of lack of prayer, lack of reflection, lack of thought, wanting things by their wants rather than by their needs fell into this trap. And so many people find themselves in mortgages of $175,000 when the house is only worth one hundred twenty-five now. They're stuck. They say we bought the lie. We didn't listen to our lady when she said June 25th, 1989, Satan has a special plan to enslave you through materialism. He's active in this plan. Now, you might say, well, I wasn't involved in the Medjugorje at that time. Might not have known it. 
But when I read that, coming back across uh, from Ivanka's house after that apparition, riding across the bridge going into Medjugorje, I remember sitting there, I can just picture myself reading this message like, this is incredible. And excited about it because I'd been on to this my whole life watching this. Not to be in debt. Not to go that way. That's why Caritas was able to turn into what it turned into. God don't provide the money. We can't do it. We won't do it. And as Rich was just saying, we don't meet our own needs. Not what we want. Even just our needs aren't met because we put God first. And so when the Israelites came back and they wanted to take care of their houses and do everything like we did in the 90s and the 80s, and in the, in the first decade of this, up to 2008, we were only looking at what we wanted and how we wanted to do it. And we were building nothing about God's house. Look at the church during this period, what happened in the 80s. Actually, the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. Look what happened. We neglected the church, just like Hagan said to the Israelites. You neglected the church, and your feet, your fields will go barren. Your seeds will blow away. You don't think that's happening? Your houses, your, your wealth you built in it, vanished overnight, practically. And it's not through yet. Don't think these houses are going to go more expensive or rising. It's not going to. The best thing you can do is just get out of it. Somehow or another, pray to get out of the situation that has no exit. We're not going to go back into a system where we can buy these houses and inflate them because it wasn't our home was something sacred, a holy place where families raised, lived. Virtue is fostered. Happiness is to dwell in its very walls when you walk in. You feel joy. I remember a priest walking into my home one day and says, Peace to this house, as the scripture says. And I said back to him, Peace to you. Because that's what you're supposed to do when somebody comes in and says that. He said, Peace dwells here. I was sitting with my daughter, I think it was 2004, 2003, on the couch. She was probably five, six years old at that time. Doing the piano prayers, Maria was here. And the crowds were outside, all the activity. And we were doing our Pieta prayers together because I made a commitment with her to do Pieta prayers. Maria walks by. She stops in the living room. I can see her out of the peripheral eye just stopping and staring at us. She turns around and backs into the lazy boy chair and sits down there. I finish that prayer and she says to me, she says, there's peace in this house. The house was built for that purpose. It wasn't built for wealth. It wasn't built to know the value and how much it's going to inflate and look what I'm worth. It's richness for me, and it should be for everybody, if you're home is, is measured in its happiness, in its peace, in what it fosters as virtue. The less it does that, the poorer you are. It's not the dollar sign on the house. I don't care if my house is worth $10 million. Twenty million. Somebody came today and said, I'll give you $100 million for a house. I rejected. Not just because the Virgin Mary appeared there. That's one reason, yeah. That, that's a standalone reason. But even without that, I, would, I wouldn't do it. 
because the ground, the very land it sits on, the very place, the memories, the heritage there can't be bought. I don't love money so much that I would do that. You might think, yeah, somehow from $100 million, he'd take it heartbeat. No. I had all that out up here, I wouldn't take it. I'm not driven by money. It's why I sit where I sit today. It's why I do what I do today, to help show you to think different about money. The love of money is wrong. The necessity of money is, is okay. We've got to have a means of exchange. But everything we do and every action we take can't be about, i got to make money. i got to do this. And you can't help but do that. Because there's things pulling and putting their hand in your pocket all day long. You go to the service station, somebody's, the service station owner is putting his hand in your pocket to get your wallet. The whole day's carried this way. It's beautiful here that we don't have to even have a wallet on us throughout the day. We can go a week without any money. A week and a half on the grounds. Why would you not want to live in a little village like that where you can establish a way of life instead of a way of the, the city, a way of commerce, a way of everything and materialism? Who wants that? You think you want it until you taste the other. When people move into the community, and we're very restrictive on who can move into the community because people kind of come here for a lady, for God first, not because they can be fed or not have a need for a whole lot of money. But one thing they comment on, even two, three, four, five months later, says, I can't get over how I don't, I don't, not having to have my wallet with me or having to have money with me all the time. It's a freedom. You say, well, I can't do that. Yes, you can do that. I didn't have the system given to me. I set out. And they said, set out with me with the messages. You got to love God. You got to love the commandments. You got to live them. And God will do everything. And hey, God, that's what it says, right? You know, you do that. Even after all the seeds were blown away, God would still tell them, and hey, God, if you follow me, I'll provide for you. You don't believe Thursday, Matthew 6, when you read this, that the birds are there, the, the, the flower the, the, is fed, they, are, they need to sow nor weep, that God will take care of them, that he won't take care of you, his sons. We've lost these principles. And then people wake up and they may be hearing what I'm saying now and they start getting anguish. I've messed up. I've made bad decisions. Swale says that you can hope for when she says, dear children, today, start today, start at this moment, live in the message, the Ten Commandments, including Sunday. Listen to the past CDs and talks I've given about that. Miss, change now, I missed the boat. Because a lot of people realize I missed the boat. I could have done this 10 years ago. I could have done this 20 years ago. Well, maybe if you change right now, you can at least get a life raft in the water. Maybe not the boat you want to be on. Or maybe a life preserver at the very least. But that's going to happen now. There is no more delay. There is no more wasting time. My lady told us twice recently, do not waste time. This book, that I'm doing everything possible to finish. You say, how can we be finishing a book for three months or how can I be doing that? Well, writing a book's easy. Finishing is a hard thing. And as daily things happen and events happen, actually has been added to the book. This book is actually current in the last four, five, six months as things have happened, plus preceding those things. But in this book, you'll realize and see 
we're really out of time. Only thing is, only thing is falling, forestalling everything is God. But you'll have some solid answers. You'll have some solid things and moves you can make. And that you have to make. It's not even optional. Everybody's talking about the movie now um, about Mexico's Christian persecution. Actually, I already had that in the book. Some of what I wrote about that. And it's strange that all this comes up after I even pin this in the book. Then all the publicity, the movie comes out. But if you want to see your future in the mirror, Mexico's the mirror. Just look at it. Elements are working toward this right now. And so, how do we protect ourselves? Live in God's statutes. Live in His commandments. Bishops have to get tough. Pleasantries are over. The puppets need to ring out, scream out what we need to do. It doesn't matter where Mexico is not approved. Better start using the messages. The bishops need to start using them. The priests need to start using them. Forget these formalities. The church just put out in 1978 directives on private revelations. They never published the whole thing, and the reason they printed this out is because only bits and pieces have gotten out, so they wanted everybody to have all of it. Well, in those directives, it's, it's excellent. It basically says that a bishop doesn't have to promote it, a devotion, but he can allow it. And even allow certain things in the diocese in support of it without giving an approval of it. Approval's not important. Jesus wasn't approved. He didn't have the, the, the synagogue's approval. No more than Medjugorje has the church's approval. As far as being authentic apparitions. But the church does give approval to Medjugorje to be spread. Nobody can stop you. The bishops don't have authority to stop that because the church has directives on it. Those directives says there's not heretical. The private, private relations can be given out. He's got to abide by that. He's binded by rules. A bishop's not a total totalitarian dictator, although he does have jurisdiction totally and total veto power on things. That's underneath his jurisdiction. We're obedient to our bishop and want to be. We'd love to be obedient because how he says he, he, you have to have that guidance. And you have to have that. And I mean, guidance is the, him following the directors in the church. We follow that. But we're free too. I don't have to go to the bishop about every little detail. I'm sure the bishop doesn't want me to do that. By our baptism, we are commissioned to evangelize. I have that. I don't have to go seek to get that. Neither do you. So Medjugorje is the answer. The message is the answer. And we're doing a whole financial show. The philosophies, we're not saying go spend this dollar here, go down to Walmart, oh, go get coupons. That's not what this show's about. This show's about the philosophies of living, and you know how the decisions for your coupons or whatever you're going to be doing in the details. If you've got a philosophical, spiritual, biblical worldview message, church and the saints view, you'll know what to do. You need those things, the saints, the church, the Bible, the bishop, church hierarchy. Any of those things you're contradicting what you do, you're in there. 
But there's a lot of longitude and latitude that you can move freely in a huge, huge pasture of green grass to make your choices. Don't go by, the church doesn't approve, I'm not to abide by it. I'm speaking to bishops and priests in this. You're missing the boat. This time I laid here is to daily give us direction and warnings even beforehand what Satan's about to do. It's prophetic. To ignore Medjugorje or to wait for approval is to err. Yes, I know the church teaches apparitions are not necessary for salvation. But I can tell you the Virgin Mary said January 25th, 1987. A great plan for the salvation of the world, quote, her words, is enacted now with her presence. And you want to ignore that? You want to use the technicalities? Well, I don't have to believe in that because it's not... If it just makes it worthy of belief if it's, if it's approved and it's not necessary for salvation. It's big enough for our ladies to come in this time particularly to save the world. It's big enough for our ladies to say nine, August 2nd, 1981, a great struggle is about to unfold between my son and Satan. Human souls are at stake. It's big enough to apply everything our ladies doing, how the visionaries see her, with 12 stars about her head, the moon underneath her feet, clothed with the sun and the light of the sun. Even says she leaves the light of the sun. It's big enough to match that to Revelation chapter 12. And you tell me you want to ignore it? You tell me you don't have to be obligated to check into it? And I'm not being disrespectful to bishops. There are shepherds. And there are secular shepherds. There's lay shepherds. But our bishops need more than anybody to be looking at what the Virgin Mary is doing right now because they need the guidance. It's like the bishop was going to start down, stop the French Revolution uh, apparitions about 400 years ago. The bishop came down there with some priests. And I later warned the visionary, and this is an approved apparition. It's an approved apparition in France now, just recently. And he came down with a total intent, not the bishop, but somebody sent by the bishop to shut it down. And I later told the visionary, "You tell him when he gets here that you who have the power to bring down my son to the altar have been given no power over me." Medjugorje is free. Our lady doesn't contradict the church. But nobody can stop these daily apparitions. Nobody's going to stop these daily apparitions. They're not going to be condemned. Oh, now, friend of Medjugorje is speaking for the church. It's impossible for the church to condemn it. It has allowed it in every diocese across the world. It's telling us, it's warning us, don't build your house in vain for profit. Build your house in eternal bliss. While here on earth, enjoying happiness and peace and virtue, fostering family, a culture of life, not a culture of death. And you want to ignore it? You think it's not important? Respectfully to all bishops, 
our priest. You need immediately to dive into Medjugorje and start screaming from the pulpits for being pleasant, for being soft. It's calling out. We got a cow herd here. The ones that don't put on weight, the ones that are sickly, we call them out. Those who are in office defiantly for abominations, going against the church's teachings, and still want to see the Eucharist, cut them out. Better, a smaller, leaner, leaner, holier church than a fat, lazy one. And our numbers will grow. You go down to the Gideon army, and people see those Gideons, and they're going to want to be a part of them. People want to be part of the Navy SEALs, a small, tight group, committed. Let's make the church smaller, holier. Offend people. The cross does it. Scripture says it. Not meanly, but not gently. Or always gently. You can gently bring back a sinner. I'm talking about the Catholics is in the, in the church pews every day. They think what they do and they live, and they can live any way they want, still go to communion. Let's stand up. Scott Walker, I was just reading about, the governor in Wisconsin, so Wisconsin, That's right. he, he just was really strong about what he stood for. Everybody said it was going to be his doomsday. They did a recall election, and, and even the young people came out and voted for him. People are looking for somebody to believe in. Stand up with principles. You'll have people following you. Yay, we got a leader finally. It's why our mission prospers, because we say like it is, without the pleasantries. We don't want to unnecessarily offend anybody, but because the cross offends and we teach about the cross and teach about suffering and what we have to do and quit sinning and living the commandments, if it offends, then we don't apologize for that. Jesus didn't apologize when he gave the teachings on the Eucharist. And they all left them. They found it a hard saying to believe. Did Jesus say, oh, wait, come back. I didn't mean that. You don't understand. Stay along. I'll teach you some more, make you help understand. No, Jesus says, go. And he even turned to his apostles, the big investment, the 12. He turned to them and said, as the others walked away, all those disciples, will you also leave me? They said, where will we go? We left everything for you. We need shepherds today that are willing to stand up and say, I've left everything. I neglect my needs for the house of God first, not my own. From the rectory to the man on the street to the peasant, God is first. And until we get this, until we put this, don't expect anything to fare for us very good. And it's not going to anyway. We can mitigate things, but we're not going to change it. We're on a course. We're on a road, and it's not going to be a good road. But our lady says, use this time well that it may go good for you. Or rather, use this time of grace that it might go well for you. Now, well in the definition of heaven could be being, being martyred. Because God sees death, and the way we see death is two different things. Heaven's watching if somebody coming into heaven is birth. And even though we may be going to heaven, we may say, oh, I don't want to leave, or I've got kids, i got responsibility, all these entanglements. The womb of the earth 
is such a speck of eternity. And you're wrestling with things of the earth and wondering about this and that? Yes, get your physical house in order after God's house is in order. Frank? Yeah, so many people call us and they're experiencing this loneliness of Jesus when, you know, uh, he's not understood. And he knows there's nothing more that I can say. They, they can't hear me. And when he was teaching on the Eucharist in John 6. And so um, they say, you know, I've got a parish of thousands, and nobody else understands Medjugorje. And so this is the loneliness a lot of us experience when we've made this conversion. People don't understand. But um, I read on the site today Yvonne's talk, and everyone should should go and, and look at this. It's it's incredible that he asked our lady, why did you choose me? Why me out of all the people? And she says, "I, you know, she smiled and said, dear child, I don't always choose the best. And so this is our calling. You can, you can see the numbers and the things that we're doing and the things we're being called to, that it's a very special calling. And as our lady said in her last message, it's a great responsibility. We have a great responsibility. We've been chosen for whatever reason by Our Lady to, to be this witness. And, and words won't help us sometimes because they can't hear. And so this has been my experience with Caritas, who you've taught me so many things by your way of life and how important pilgrimages are and how important they've been in Christian history. And so this is where we need to be with Our Lady so she can instruct us more and so she can show us her messages come to life through community. You've taken very seriously this call to place my messages into life, into life. And one of the things you've taught us, you pray for your shepherds every day. She says, I'm expecting of you to pray for your shepherds every morning. You pray for your bishop, seven our father, seven Hail Mary, seven glory beats. And, um, and so these are the things that have been a have been a witness to my life that have helped me witness Our Lady without words, because this is what people need in our parishes, in our homes, in our extended families, and uh, and it's it's very necessary to continue. You say, well, I'm a daily communicant. Our Lady's come to take to show us Jesus, and now I see that I go to daily mass and I go to to adoration. But there's more that Our Lady wants to teach us about Jesus. And there's more that we need to learn that we can only learn by being in her presence and being in the presence of the community that she founded in the way of life that she's shown to the community. So this is, we're getting very close. And I think that um, everybody, that if there's... Any possibility, as the front of Medjugorje says, if there's no possibility, make it possible. These pilgrimages are so important and uh, so edifying and advance us further in our conversion than anything else can. Well, certainly July 1st to the 5th is, an, is not an opportunity. It's a grace and a gift no one can merit nor after this time's over and these apparitions end, will they believe that they pass that up. So 
encourage everybody get the commercial we cut, uh, put it on radio stations. We still got maybe a short time to do that. I'm leaving to go to Medjugorje. We'll be coming back with Maria. And it's easy to get people here. You don't have to sway, persuade them to believe in anything. We, that's not what we try to do. It's just to get people here. And of course, coming back to economics, uh, we have here people come and say, should I come here or get out of debt? You know, my answer is both. Because coming here will help you get out of debt. And so you get the grace, you get the strength, you get the sometimes just the firmness of a decision to live more within your means. It's not just you're going to have more money. Uh, a lot of times people need strength to live within what they 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 must do to get out of debt. But anyway, the Maracas Medal Medjugorje Silver Medallion, one ounce Troy piece that we struck for the purpose of taking your money out of the godless system of cash, putting in that preserve it. You need the daily dollars, of course, to keep your actions going throughout the day. But the purpose of that was to put a Maracas Medal on there so that when people use these means of exchange or, or storing their wealth, storing your labor of what you did that week in your dollars at the end of the paycheck, that instead, if you're going to save some, put it into that, that when that's transmitted or exchanged for goods and services, somebody's got the Maracas Medal who has no interest in it. It doesn't have to be blessed. Our Lady said anyone who has a, the Maracas Medal we should be praying for the conversion. She said that to Maria. She reinvigorated the Americas Medal in 1989, November 1989, and told her during a prayer group that to pray for the people who carry it. This whole project is a spiritual project on our part. Frank's on the other side of distributing it. We don't want to be on that side. That's Frank's part. He's a businessman. He was chosen for that. He was very loyal to the mission, so... I contacted him to do the distributor because we want to keep arms length from it. Because we knew people say, oh, we're curious about sell, selling silver. We don't sell anything. And Frank actually doesn't sell anything. He exchanges your money for a one-ounce piece with the cost of the strike of the mini, which is very little compared to other things you can get. His purpose is to store your savings into something that has value, even though it's suppressed right now. If things crash, it's going to be the only thing that has value. And to qualify for your first-time listeners, if we have a crash, you can't eat silver even. You'd be a whole lot better putting your savings in some land, a couple of acres, 20 acres even, or 100 acres if you can get it for other people that might have come with you, and get your food from your ground to your mouth. That's more dependence on God. It's not about being self-reliant. It's living more subsistence subsistently in the way God commanded Adam. By this way, you bow your sheet. You say, well, I'm a doctor. Well, I know doctors that got gardens and love it. They can't wait to get off and get in the garden. They know they know when they open up a, a heart and see all this junk in their veins, they, they, they got more motive than other people seeing physically what happens. But we're not talking about just a health thing. We're talking really about a way of life. We're talking about a health spiritual life. Spiritual for your spirit. That's what these moves are about making. Ain't going to happen. Goes in more details, which we don't want to go into on the show. You can get that in the book. Frank, if they need to talk to you, ask questions, how do they contact you? You can call us uh, toll-free, 877-936-7686. 
You can email us at globalsilverinvestors at yahoo.com, and you can uh, visit our website at globalsilverinvestors.com, and it has the contact information also. Okay, anything else you need to add to that real quickly? We're out of time. Yeah, just uh, I was reading Matthew 24 the other day, and this is where we are when we talk about Jesus is talking about the distressed times that there is no other time. And when he says, you see the abomination that causes desolation, these these are the signs. And if ever there was a time when we sank, when we have an administration trying to sanctify abominable things, we know that we're there. As you began the show, it's it's already fallen. It's by the grace of God that we have this opportunity. And as we can see when we read these things about these times, we're the ones that are called to, to feed the hungry and to prepare. And so we have to take very seriously um, what what our role is in these times. So you can call me and we can talk more about that. But, well, uh, uh, and June 2nd, our lady gave a message that you are my apostles. The Holy Spirit chose her. And I choose with the Holy Spirit you. An apostle, imagine that. And then she talks about the shepherds at the end. You need that guidance. Think about these things. Ponder this. Listen to this show more than one time and spread it. It may bring somebody's conversion. One sentence may do it. Everyone needs it. The world needs it. We wish you our lady. We love you. Goodbye. The subject matter contained in this presentation is based on biblical principles and designed to give you accurate and authoritative information with regard to the subject matter covered. It is provided with the understanding that neither the presenter nor the broadcaster is engaged to render legal, accounting, or other professional advice. Since your situation is fact-dependent, you may wish to additionally seek the services of an appropriately licensed legal, accounting, real estate, or investment professional.